0: You are listening to a podcast by Spring Hill Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Spring Hill Church is called to reach everyday people with God's grace, His unconditional love, and the life-changing power of His Word. Thanks for listening. And if you would like more information, you can visit us online at springhill.cc. We love and appreciate each and every one of you so much. And thank you for being here. Uh, We're beginning a brand new series this morning called Back to the Basics. Say that with me. Say, Back to the Basics. Turn to somebody close by and tell them you need to get back to the basics. And so I'm really excited about this. If uh, you came in and you didn't receive a handout to take some notes on, uh, if you'll hold your hand up, we'll get one to you. If you need a pen, we'll get one of those to you. I want you to be able to take some notes and write some things down and and uh, this is going to be very good, and uh, not because it's me, but because it's the Word. And uh, it's, it's very, very important, the things that we're going to talk about over the next few weeks. I like to do these types of series uh, where we kind of go back and cover some basics during the summer. Uh, you know, and, and listen, I, I got amused this week. I saw where several churches, I guess because of the holiday, were switching to online only this weekend And uh, I don't know if they were concerned people were going to be out of town or what, but hey, I'm glad you guys came. I love it. But uh, we're just excited about the Word of God and the things that the Lord has made available to us. And so we're going to be covering over the next few weeks several things, basic things, basic truths from God's Word that we all need to be refreshed in, myself included, uh, periodically, because as the Bible says, you'll see in just a moment we have a tendency to let some things slip. And so let's look at our foundation scripture that's on your notes there, and uh, it'll be on the screen for you. By the way, all of, all of the message notes are already on the website. If you want to go there, springhill.cc, you can check those out as well. But Hebrews chapter two and verse one, and I'm going to read this from the Passion Translation. It says this, this is why it is so crucial that we be all the more engaged and attentive to the truths that we have heard. Notice it says the things, the truths that we have heard in the past. It says we need to be engaged and attentive to those truths which we have heard at the path so that we have heard so that we do not drift off course. So what the implication is, and as, as I said, the King James says that we let these things slip. The implication is, is that if we don't refresh ourselves in some of these truths from God's word, that we'll have a tendency to get off course. And listen, you need to understand something. I remember uh, years ago, 20 years ago, when I was doing some pilot training, uh, pursuing my private pilot's license, that uh, they would tell you that in the cockpit, you need to make sure that all of your... Uh, directional indicators and your compasses were all lined up appropriately because you can be off by one degree and over a period, long period of time, by the time you think you're approaching your destination, you're way off course. And so the point is this, that it doesn't take much for us to veer off course and to venture away from some of the truths that we're familiar with. And so again, it's good to periodically go back, take an inventory, stir yourself up regarding these truths. And so I want to begin our our series. and, And as I said, we're going to cover several subjects over the next few weeks. But I want to talk this week and give you some basic things to stir your heart about faith. All right, everybody say the word faith. All right, somebody says, well, why do we need to study about faith. Why do we need to be so familiar with faith? Well, not in your notes, but let me give you a couple of reasons. The scripture says in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 that we are saved by grace through faith. The scripture says in Hebrews 11:6 that without faith it's impossible to please God. Four times in the scripture, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, the scripture says that the just shall live by faith. And so when you see something in the Bible one time, it's important. But when you see it showing up over and over and over again, it's very important. So faith is something that we need to study. We need to look at periodically. Um, You know, and I know how some people attribute faith as more of a noun than an action thing that we're going to be talking about. You know, you'll hear people say, well, what faith are you? Are you of the Christian faith or uh, are you of the Hindu faith or whatever? That is not what we're talking about. We're talking about something that is integral to our uh, core as a believer and something that needs to be very, very important in our thinking. So let's go. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, and let's find out what is the definition of faith. And so the writer says in the Amplified Bible, now faith is the assurance, the confirmation the title deed of the things we hope for being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses now that is a huge mouthful we're going to endeavor to couple cover a couple of things that we see in there notice it says faith is the confirmation or the title deed how many anybody in here ever a reserved a hotel room before, okay? When you made that res- reservation, whether you did it online or uh, you know, I don't know, can you even call and make a reservation anymore, you know most people do it online, What was it that they would give you once you made that reservation? A confirmation number. Now that confirmation number was very important because if you showed up to the hotel, the first thing that they're going to ask you is either your name or can we have your reservation confirmation number? And here's the thing. You showed up at that hotel believing that they had a room for you simply because you had that confirmation number. And and here's the thing. If you ever showed up at the hotel and you had a confirmation number and they come and tell you, I'm sorry, Mr. Mullins, we don't have any rooms. We are sold out. Well, guess what? You better start building a room because I have a confirmation number that says I have a room at this hotel, okay? And, and so, you know, you get into a whole bunch of things there at that point. But the, here's the thing, the point that I want you to see that this verse is saying is that faith is like that confirmation number that whatever we are believing God for, that confirmation it is proof to us that it is ours before we actually even see it. Like the verse says, perceiving as real fact things that are not yet revealed to the senses. So there are things that we're going to believe before we ever see it, feel it, hear it, touch it, or taste it before it's ever revealed to our five physical senses. Now, notice what it says. Now, faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for. Now, I remember early on, I'm old enough to remember years ago, 40 years ago plus, that, um, you know, there was almost a misunderstanding that hope was a, was a bad word, okay, in the sense of, no, we need to be faith-focused, all right? Well, I've got news for you. Unless you have hope, you can't have faith, all right? Notice faith is the substance or the confirmation, etc., cetera, of the things we hope for. So let's talk just a few minutes about what is Hope. Hope is something that God gives us. It's powerful, but it does have limitations. It'll only take you so far. But faith and hope are designed to work together. So here's the first thing. If you're writing things down, write this down, please. God always builds our hopes before we can begin to operate in faith. If you look through the scripture and if you can think back in your life, as God has dealt with you, this is a pattern that the Lord uses that when he begins to deal with people, he begins by giving them hope first, all right? Let's look at a scriptural example. You, anybody ever heard of a man named Abraham in the Old Testament? Well, the Lord in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, had a conversation. This is the initial conversation that God had with Abram at the time, as he was known, It says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land I will show you. Notice it says, I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those, him who curses you, and in you All families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, there's something about this particular verse that I want to point out to you that is worth noting, and that is this. Everything that God said to Abram in this visitation was all in the future. He put it to Abram out in the future. Okay, so God begins in building hope into our lives by making promises to us regarding something that has yet to take place, something that is in our future. Matter of fact, let me give you a definition of the word hope. This is right out of the dictionary. It says this, to look forward to something with desire and reasonable confidence that it may happen. Uh, You know, uh, in our English language, we've kind of watered down hope to mean wish. You know, are y'all coming over there? Well, we sure hope so. Okay. Uh, I I sure hope y'all would come. No. See, what we're really saying is I wish y'all would come. We haven't really understood what hope means. So write this down, please. Hope is a positive expectation of something happening in the future. And it is necessary. You need a positive expectation of something happening in your future. So what God does is he makes promises to us as believers of things that are out in our future. He tells us, just think about this. You know, when when the gospel was preached to you and you were ready to receive Christ, remember what the, the gospel preached to you. The promise was... If you will surrender your heart to Christ, you will be born again. All of your sins will be forgiven and you will be given a brand new start. All of that is something future, something yet to take place. And so what God does is he brings the gospel to us and produces hope on the inside of us. Uh, You know, I remember when the gospel was preached to me, it was preached more from a heaven standpoint in the sense of, that you need to be prepared for eternity. In other words, you need to be prepared so that you will go home or, or go to heaven to be with the Lord should your heart stop beating or, or you know, should you pass away. And, and so uh, what it did is it produced a hope on the inside of me. But did you know that hope is not enough to get you born again? Okay, so, so let's look at this. Uh, again, hope is a positive expectation of something happening in the future. That's why I say to you, this is by design. I, I want you to understand. I don't say stuff sometimes. Now, sometimes I do. I'll take credit for that to waste time or fill time. All right. But most of the time I'm saying things that I'm trying to do to build hope on the inside of you. Sometimes, you know, somebody might say, well, pastor, you're just trying to hype the people up. No, I'm not. I'm really trying to hope you up. In the sense of, you know, when right before we dismiss, and I'll do it here in a few minutes, that before you walk out the door, I want you to hear the last thing is something good is going to happen to you this week. I don't say that because it's a cute thing to say. I say it because I'm trying to get hope down on the inside of you. Because if I can get hope down on the inside of you, then you have a basis of, of which to believe for and from. And then if you'll just mix some faith with that, then it will happen, all right? So let's go on, let's look at this. Faith and hope can be broken down like this, all right? Hope, write this down please, is the ability to imagine something good happening to you. What God does is he builds hope on the inside of us and very often that hope will take the form of a picture so you can see Your life going in the direction that God wants it to go in. Hope is the ability to imagine something good happening. Now, this is where you start. Uh, Has anybody in here ever constructed anything? Maybe you built a home, uh, you know, even a a model airplane, okay? How about a jigsaw puzzle, one of those thousand-piece deals that you dump on the card table and, you know, you work on on a good rainy day? Well, what do you often refer to, let's use the jigsaw puzzle as an example, what do you often refer to when you're starting to put the puzzle together? The picture on the box, right? Don't you keep that picture handy? Why? Because that is something, it's an image that you have of the finished product. In other words, it's the image of what you're hoping you're working on there will end up looking like. You know, if you've ever constructed a home, you always start with blueprints. You always start with plans. Those plans are designed to start out giving an image of what the finished construction will look like. And then then the other purpose is to all of the contractors and so forth that are working on the home to give them direction as to where things shall go so that the picture will end up looking like that finished product. Well, hope is the blueprint for your life. And what God begins to do is reveal to you through his word what your life will look like according to his will, plan, and purpose. Notice the things that God promised Abram. He said that you will be a blessing. I will bless you. I'll cause you to be a great nation. In other words, he's building in Abram an image of what his life can look like if he will follow God. And so, of course, you know the story. He ends up following the Lord and uh, you know, begins to fulfill that image, that blueprint that God gave him. So this is where you always start. You always start with the blueprint or the model. Now, let me ask you a question. Is the blueprint the house? No, okay? It is not the finished product It is the expectation of the finished product. That's exactly what hope is. Hope is an expectation. So God shows up, he gives you promises in his word, and what he begins to do is to lay out what your life can look like to build an expectation of how your life can be, all right? That's just the way God works. Now, write this down, please. Faith brings things that you hope for in the future to the reality of now. In other words, hope always deals with future things. Hope always reaches for something that has yet come to pass. Did you know you've never hoped for something that's already happened? Let me just think about that. Use your noggin for just a moment. You've never hoped for something that you've already experienced. You know, if you already have constructed your home and you're living in that home and have been in that home for 10 years, you don't need the blueprints anymore. Why? Because you're experiencing it. You're in it. You're living it, okay? So hope always sees things in the future, but faith brings things that you hope for in the future to the reality of now. Now, I want to go back to Abram's life for just a few moments. Now, Abram, when God had that original conversation with him in Genesis chapter 12, Abram was about 75 years old. So God worked with Abram 24 years to build that hope and that expectation in him. Now, somebody said, why did it take so long? I don't know. Ask Abraham when you get to heaven, okay? It could be, you know, uh, If you're familiar with Abraham and his family, they were uh, idol worshipers. They were heathen people. They didn't know God at all. And maybe coming from that lifestyle over to a lifestyle where they were endeavoring to live for God, maybe it took that long to uh, get that down on the inside of them. I just believe for you and me, it won't take that long. (laughs) Anybody in here want that? (laughs) You know, you don't want it to take that long. All right, so let's fast forward 24 years Now, remember what God told him. He said, I will make of you a great nation. I will make you the father of many nations. And all those promises were out in the future. But when God shows up again in Genesis 17, in the first five verses, it says this, when Abram was 99 years old, so we're 24 years later, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God. That's where we get the phrase, El Shaddai, that's where he, he, that phrase comes from. I am almighty God, walk before me and be blameless and I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Now notice that is a future promise again. Then it says, then Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you. Now notice God just said, I'll make my covenant with you. But now God changes his tone and he says this, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham. Now look at this, for I have made you a father of many nations. Something happened. There was a A transition that took place. There was a switch that took place in the way God began treating Abraham in the sense of he went from a promise of something in the future to declaring something as though it had already happened. What did he do? He brought Abram from a place of hope over to a place of faith. Okay, And if you're familiar with the story, just nine months later, Isaac was born. Now, there's a whole lot to the story I'm leaving out, and you can read that on your time. But I want you to understand that God worked with Abram for all that period of time, putting hope on the inside of him, putting hope on the inside of him. And then at this point, it transitioned from hope, and it now became a work of faith, All right, so let's go on. How does faith work? Well, let's look at this. Write this down, please. Hope is the blueprint. Hope is your expectation. Hope is the vision of what you want the product to look like. Faith is the construction crew. Okay, so a a set of blueprints is no good unless you have a construction crew that can facilitate and build what the set of blueprints dictates. So what God does is he builds hope on the inside of us. But then when we mix faith with that, we now have given a construction crew to the blueprints and allowed the construction crew to go to work. Now, faith is like that invisible invisible construction team. They're a team that works 24 hours a day, seven days a week at home while you're asleep, And guess what? They don't need you checking up on them, (laughs) okay? They don't need you showing up on the job site every day, checking to make sure everything is happening right. Faith works, all right, when you work the word, all right? Now, look at this. Faith works in the invisible arena where God lives and where God functions, okay? Faith is a spiritual thing. It's not a natural thing. Faith is a spiritual thing. Now, I know we use faith in the natural where trust and that type of thing is concerned, but I'm talking about faith in God and faith in God's word. So faith works in the invisible arena where God lives. Now, how many of you know that God moves and functions in what we call the spirit realm, which is an arena that is not visible to the natural eye? Now, we just got through doing a series on the protection of the Lord. We talked about angels in that series, and uh, angels are very present. They're in this room right now, but you cannot see them with the natural eye. But they are very much real. Actually, they're more real than what we see in the natural. Gary's over here looking around to see if he sees his angels, okay? (laughs) They are more real than what you see in the natural, Okay, how do I know that? Well, just a little side note. Everything we see in the natural was produced by spiritual a spiritual being named God. Okay, so when something comes out of something else, it's inferior to the thing from which it came. Does that make sense to you? So God is a spirit, the scripture says. Jesus said that in John chapter 4. And so when God spoke and he created everything in creation, The creation came to be in the natural from something that happened spiritually. Now, God is a faith God, all right? Uh, He works and he moves just like he expects you to move. The only thing is, is he moves based on his own word. We move and believe based on his word, all right? So faith works in that invisible arena where God lives. Now, write this down, please. Faith connects me to that which I hope for. You remember faith is the substance, it's the confirmation, it is the, the promise, it's the title deed of the things which we hope for. In other words, faith proves ownership of something in the future that has not yet happened in the natural, but it belongs to you just the same. That's what Hebrews 11.1 1 says. Okay? So Hope says, I will get it someday. Faith says, I have it now. Hope does not connect me to it, but faith does connect me to it, okay? Now, let's look at Romans chapter four, verses 18 through 21. Now, this is Paul the apostle writing about what Abraham did, and it says in in chapter four, verse 18, who, talking about Abraham, contrary to hope, in hope believed so that he became the father of many nations. Now, what does that mean? That's a little kind of a little old English tongue twister there. What it means is this, uh, Abraham had no reason to hope in the sense of somebody, pop quiz, how old was Abraham when Isaac was born? How often do you hear about 99 year old men having babies? like never, especially when grandma is 89, okay? That's how old Sarah was, all right? All right, okay, it doesn't happen. So natural hope, there was none. There was no reason for any of that to to happen. So it says, who contrary to hope, one translation says he believed in hope anyway. In hope he believed anyway. So Abraham held on to the promise of God's word in spite of how old he was. So it says, so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. Now, I'm gonna read all of this and we're gonna to begin to break this down and talk about what faith does. Verse 19, and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Now, I want to point something out to you. Some folks don't don't know this. Sarah was never able to have children all of her life. This isn't something that happened to her because of old age. The scripture says that she was barren all of her life. So not only do you have the age factor in Abraham's life, you've got a lifetime uh, of being barren in Sarah's life in addition to the age factor. And so it goes on to say, he did not waver, verse 20, at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, what God had promised, God was able also to perform. All right, now let's break this down. Let's look at these scriptures a little bit. Here's the first thing I want you to see. Write this down, please. Notice it says, Abraham did not consider, and that's a typo, but his negative circumstances. Okay, Abraham did not consider his negative circumstances. All right, what does that word consider means? Well, I love the dictionary. The dictionary says this, and see if this kind of rings true with you as it did to me. To consider something means to think carefully about To bear in mind, let me put it up there, there. To bear in mind or to make allowance for, okay? It says he did not consider his body. He didn't consider his body or the deadness of Sarah's womb. So he did not allow himself to spend a whole lot of time thinking about that. He didn't bear it in mind every day, every moment while he was navigating through his day. And notice this, he didn't make allowance for that. You know, he didn't say this to God. Well, God, you know, I know you're the creator of the universe. I know there's nobody greater than you. I know that you're all powerful. You've demonstrated that to me over and over again. However, I'm going to cut you some slack because you, you do know how old I am, right? And you do know how old Sarah is, right? And by the way, God, you do know she's never been able to have some children. So, okay, we're going to make some allowances for that. So, if your promise doesn't work, I, I totally get it, and I totally will be okay with that. Notice Abraham didn't have that attitude. He, it, it, the Bible says, he considered not. So he didn't think carefully about it. He didn't let it be in the forefront of his thinking. And he didn't make allowance for any of those natural things. All right? Now, so you can pray. Now, listen to me very carefully. Um, You can pray about certain things. You can release your faith about certain things from the Scriptures. And sometimes, maybe not all the time, but sometimes sometimes, your natural circumstances might get worse instead of getting better. Are you going to consider them? Are you going to let them weigh in on your faith? Now notice this, Abraham does not deny the natural circumstances. And this is where a lot of Christians have missed it. And this is where maybe we, you know, teachers that, that, teach and emphasize faith a little bit, get a bad name because people took an implication way back when that we were supposed to deny natural circumstances, pretend like they don't exist. Well, that's not Christianity at all. That's not word at all. That's not Bible at all. That is actually, you know, just foolishness because you're denying that certain things exist. We don't deny that natural circumstances exist We just refuse to allow those natural circumstances to dictate to us whether God's word is true and whether God's word works or it doesn't. There's a difference, okay? Are you you following me? You still here or you gone home? Okay, all right, just wanted to check. Okay, so again, he does not deny the circumstances. Abraham just simply refuses to focus on them. Now, Here's what I want you to see. If you look at the natural negatives, the natural negative circumstances, and you focus on them, you will talk yourself out of the promises that God has made to you. If you focus on those contrary circumstances and that is all you see, you will talk yourself out of the promises of God. So write this down, please. You will not be able to stay strong in faith. Anybody in here want to be strong in faith? You will not be able to stay strong in faith if you continue to look or focus on the natural negatives, okay? Because it will cause your faith to be weakened, all right? So let's look at Romans 4. 419 again, it says, and being not weak in faith, Abraham did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He didn't deny those circumstances. He refused to fixate on them, to focus on them and allow those things to weaken his faith, all right? So here's the next thing you and I, need to do so write this down you and i have what the responsibility to convince ourselves to believe what god has already said you and i have the responsibility to convince ourselves to believe what god has already said if if you struggle in your faith where god's word is concerned i will say this to you and i say it humbly because We're all in a process. We're all working on this together, but it's because you're not fully convinced. Okay, let me show you what the scripture says. In Romans 4, 21, it says, and Abraham being fully convinced that what God had promised, God was able also to perform. Now, nowhere in that scripture does it say that God did the convincing. Abraham did the convincing. You and I are gonna to have to do some convincing. What does that mean? That means you're gonna to have to have more than a casual relationship with God's Word where His truth is concerned, concerning your life. It's gonna to have to consume you. I'm gonna say this you're gonna to have to immerse yourself in the Word of God, particularly when you're facing a situation that needs to be changed. And you're using your faith, you're going to have to immerse yourself. In the word of God. Now, I'm going to make a couple of comments. Let me say this to you in in regard to what I just said. The best time to convince yourself of what God's word says is when you don't need to be convinced. What do I mean by that? What I mean by that is the best time to spend time in the word and put the word in your heart is when you don't need it. You know, we have seasons in our lives where things are okay, don't we? Okay? Where, you know, there's not a huge financial need, there's not this pressing physical need, there's not a whole lot going on, just life is happening. That is the time you need to be filling yourself with the Word of God. Now, here's what I heard John Osteen say a long time ago, and that is this If you will put the Word in your heart when you don't need it, it will be there when you do need it. I'm going to say that again just because it's so good. If you will put the word in your heart when you don't need it, it will be there when you do need it. Let me say this to you. When the best time to put the word in your heart concerning God's faithfulness in provision and meeting your needs and taking care of you is when you are not facing a mountain of need. Well, thank you for your enthusiasm. <laughs> The best time to put the word in your heart where healing is concerned is when you're not sick and it will be there for you when the, the trial comes. And listen, we're all faced with opportunities and the best time to be able to make that withdrawal is when it's already deposited. You know, Jesus gave us the illustration. He talked about a man that built his house upon the rock or two men one that built his house on the rock and one that built his house on the sand, and talking about the, the rock being do, hearing and doing the word of God. But the, the fact of the matter is that I want you to see is, is Jesus didn't say uh, if the storm comes. He said when the storm comes. Storms are coming. They're coming to all of us. Now, somebody says, I thought this was going to be an uplifting message. It is an uplifting Somebody said, I thought this was a positive message. I am positive storms are going to come. Okay? We're all going to face things. So what we need to do is be prepared for the storm when it comes, and you'll come out a whole lot better off than if you don't prepare ahead of time. So how do you convince yourself? The, you know, the old King James says that Abraham was fully persuaded. How do we persuade our, our, ourselves? Did, we've, we've already established God didn't do it, okay? How do you know God didn't do it? Well, let me ask you a question. Do you think God wants everybody to get saved? Okay, the scripture clearly says that. It's not his will that any should perish. Well, then why doesn't he just show up and convince everybody they need to get saved? He, he can't do that. He doesn't do that. He gives you and me the right and the privilege to choose to become fully persuaded. So then, how do we become fully persuaded? Well, let's look at what the next scripture says. Romans, or or let me give this to you. Abraham grew stronger in faith as he gave glory to God. Abraham grew stronger in faith as he gave glory to God. So here's how this goes. When you see something in God's word, let's take a financial need. And the scripture says in Philippians 4:19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And so you find that scripture and other scriptures that, that show you that it is God's will for that need to be met and that he will work on your behalf and work with you to meet that need. So you, you pray something like this, Heavenly Father, thank you for your word that says, and you, you know, echo back to him what his word says. Father, I believe right now in the name of Jesus and release my faith that that need is fully and abundantly supplied. I receive it now by faith. So what you just did is you took that promise out of the future and you brought it into now using your faith, and so from that moment forward, you consider the need to be met. Well, Pastor, nothing's changed in my bank account. It doesn't matter. The need is fully and abundantly supplied. But Pastor, I, I you know, the bill collector is still calling. It doesn't matter. You, I mean, be nice to them. Answer your phone. Don't hide, <laughs> Okay. But And by the way, why don't you call them for a change? Anyway, that's just a little side note. Um, But just say to yourself, Father, I thank you and I praise you that that need is met. Father, thank you that you're working behind the scenes to cause that financial need to be fully and abundantly supplied. Now, let me give you a little side note. This is free. This won't cost you anything. Finances are a little different in that they might take more time because, I got news for you, God doesn't have any money. He has to use people in order to move on their hearts, in order to bring finances into your life. How many of you know there are other people just as hard-headed as you and I are? Okay, so when God taps you on the shoulder and says, hey, I need you to bless so-and-so and and give them 25 bucks or 100 bucks or whatever the case might be, that uh, we have a tendency, "Uh uh-uh, get thee behind me, devil. Uh Uh-uh, no, 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 no. And, And so you might not be that, you know, but we'd say things like, okay, Lord, I'll do that tomorrow or I'll do it next week, whatever the case is. And so because God has to move on the hearts of people and people can delay things, it might take some more time, all right? Now, let me draw a little differential line. Can I teach for just a second? I'm almost done, all right? But things that are bought and paid for by the Lord Jesus Christ at the cross, i.e., your salvation, your healing, your peace of mind, All of the things that Jesus paid for our redemption to have, you can have and receive right now. It is not dependent on other people. That is something that is between you and the Lord. And so when you release your faith, God goes to work in the supernatural to cause that situation to change on your behalf. Now let me show you how fast it can work. How many of you in here are are born again, okay? How many of you, when you prayed the prayer to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life and surrender your life to him, it took two weeks for God to show up and save you? No, it was instantaneous, wasn't it? Why? Because that's already done. The work is already done, okay? And you received it by faith, okay? Whether you felt saved or not. You know, I still wake up, and there's some days I don't feel saved. But here, some 43 years later, I, I'm, I know I'm saved. Just like I'm, I'm sure you married folks, when you wake up some mornings, you don't feel married. But you got a ring and a piece of paper and somebody in the bed beside you that says that you are married, and you better act like it. <laughs> okay? So what I want you to see is, is that, When you release your faith, okay, so now faith is working. The construction crew is out there working. So how do you convince yourself? Well, what you need to do is you need to get those promises. And I just encourage you, take some time every day. It doesn't take all all that long, but take some time every day. Father, do what Abraham did. Father, thank you that every need is fully and abundantly supplied. If it's healing you need in your body, Father, Thank you in Jesus' name that you took my sicknesses, you bore my diseases, and by your stripes, Jesus, I am healed. See, you're giving glory to God, and while you're doing that, you're convincing yourself. Because can I say this to you? You can't give God glory for something that you really don't believe in your heart. It's impossible. Now, it might be something that you're, you, you really know up here, and you're working on it, but it will get to the point where it will become stronger and stronger and stronger on the inside of you, and you will become fully convinced. I, I, you know, I use this illustration very often. I'm old enough to remember old school payphones, okay? And I'm amazed that I don't know that there's any in existence anymore, but anybody remember? when calls were a dime, okay, okay, and you'd walk up and you'd put your dime in and you could hear it go, till it get all the way to the bottom and then all of a sudden you'd get your dial tone, okay? Well, I heard Brother Hagin use this illustration a long time ago and it just resonated with me that what happens is in this process that I'm describing to you right now is the word goes from here and drops down to here like putting that dime in the payphone, and as you glorify God, as you speak the word of God, the word will move from here till it gets down here. And I can promise you, you will know when it gets down here because nobody or any situation or circumstance will be able to talk you out of it. Let me ask you, how many of you are born again in here? Okay, uh, No, you're not. You're really not. You're not saved. Okay, see, some of y'all are looking at me like I'm crazy because you know you're born again. How do you know you're born again? You have convinced yourself based on the word of God. And that principle is what you can use to do what Abraham did by faith to convince yourself on any promise that's in God's word that it belongs to you. Okay, two more scriptures I wanna give you, look at this, Romans chapter four, verse 20, it's actually the same verse. No unbelief, this is from the Amplified, or distrust made him waver, doubtingly questioned concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong and was empowered by faith, look at this, as he gave praise and glory to God. I remember the Living Bible, love the Living Bible. This is what the Living Bible says, But Abraham never doubted. He believed God for his faith and trust grew ever stronger. Now, here's the key and he praised God for this blessing even before it happened. When you can praise God for something that you can't see yet, is when you know you've moved over into faith. All right, now, next week, we're going to pick up here and we're going to talk about how do you put your faith to work. Did you get anything out of this today? Amen. Well, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the word that we've heard today. Lord, I thank you for these wonderful people, the people of Spring Hill Church. And Lord Jesus, I believe as you said in your word that the word has fallen on good ground, the soil, the hearts of these people. And Father, I believe in Jesus' name that the word will bring forth a harvest, that it will grow and it will produce fruit in their lives. Father, I thank you that you're causing faith to arise in our hearts, Lord, so that we can believe you for whatever your word declares. We can take the limits off. We can take the parameters off of you and and get you out of a box that maybe we've put you in. And Lord, let you perform exactly what you want to do in our lives. And Father, I thank you for doing that. I pray for every single person here under the sound of my voice. I thank you, Father, that no matter what they might be facing, the Scripture says that you have victory in store for the upright. That, Father, they may be going through a situation, but I thank you that you will bring them out, and you will bring them out victorious in Jesus' name. And, Lord, I thank you for it. Father, I thank you for moving on each and every heart here today. And, Lord, I thank you and praise you again for the price that Jesus paid for each and every one of us That, Father, we have been redeemed, that we have been forgiven. And, Lord, we purpose in our hearts to live for you and to acknowledge you truly as the Lord of our lives in every way that we possibly can. In Jesus' name. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I never make any assumptions. I want to give each and every one of us an opportunity that if you need to surrender your life to Christ for the first time, or you need to recommit your life to Christ. I wanna present that opportunity to you today. Not gonna embarrass you, not gonna call you up front or anything like that. We're just gonna pray a prayer together. And if you will pray this prayer by faith, believing in your heart, we believe that you can either be born again or you can recommit your life to the Lord and all of your sin will be forgiven and washed away by the blood of Jesus and you can have a brand new life, a brand new beginning today. Would you pray, each and, a, each and every one of us, would you pray this prayer with me? Say this together. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name, and I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for me, and I believe with all my heart that he was raised from the dead. Lord Jesus, come into my heart I make you my Lord and Savior wash me in your blood make me clean and holy forgive me of my past and give me a brand new start thank you for forgiving me thank you for cleansing me now fill me to the full and overflowing with the power of the Holy Spirit In Jesus' name, I thank you and praise you. Amen and amen. Thanks once again for tuning in to the Spring Hill Church podcast. We hope that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about the church, please feel free to visit us at springhill.cc.